Chapter 12, what is the NIIT and why you need to care? When President Obama signed the Affordable Care Act, aka Obamacare, it came with a pretty significant tax bite called the Net Investment Income Tax. From the IRS's own website, quote, the NIIT applies at a rate of 3.8% to certain net investment income of individuals, estates, and trusts that have income above the statutory threshold amounts. What individuals are subject to the net investment income tax? Individual owe the tax if they have a net investment income and also have modified adjusted gross income over the following thresholds. Married filing jointly, threshold amount, 250000 Single, 200000 Married filing separately, 125000 Qualifying widower or widow with dependent child, 250000 Head of household with qualifying person, 200000 Taxpayers should be aware that these threshold amounts are not indexed for inflation. If you are an individual who is exempt from Medicare taxes, you still may be subject to the NIIT if you have net investment income and also have modified adjusted gross income above the applicable thresholds. End of quote. Now, you may be thinking, Josh, I don't have anywhere near that $250,000 in modified adjusted gross income to worry about this. So what's the big deal? And then I say, You see where it says taxpayers should be aware that these thresholds are not indexed for inflation? Not indexed for inflation, huh? Hmm. Where have we heard that before? Oh, yeah. The provisional income rules for the taxation of Social Security as well as the alternative minimum tax. When the legislation to tax Social Security and then the alternative minimum tax, otherwise known as the AMT, were first enacted, very few people were affected. Thus, no outrage, as only the quote-unquote rich paid. Now, almost everyone pays some tax on their Social Security benefits. As of the 2017 tax bill, fewer taxpayers are going to be caught in the AMT web, thankfully. But pretty sneaky, huh? Oh, but it gets worse. How is net investment income derived? Again, straight from the IRS's website, and I quote, What are some some common types of income that are not investment income? Wages, unemployment compensation, operating income from a non-passive business, social security benefits, alimony, tax-exempt interest, self-employment income, Alaska permanent funds dividend, and distributions from certain qualified plans, those described in sections 401A, 403A, 403B, 408, 408A, and 457B, unquote. Here, the IRS is telling us that distributions from retirement accounts are not subject to the NIIT, which is actually factually correct. But what they don't say is those distributions from retirement accounts are counted as income to determine if you need to pay the NIIT under dividends, interest, and capital gains. (laughs) Some might even call this an error of omission. I certainly do. Let me give you an example. You are single. You have $180,000 in income. You take a $50,000 IRA distribution. Your total income is now $230,000. That $50,000 IRA distribution in of itself is not subject to the net investment income tax. But if you have capital gains, interest, and or dividend income, those now will be subject to NIIT because that $50,000 IRA distribution puts you above the $200,000 threshold. Large distributions from your qualified accounts could add 3.8% to your tax rate on dividends, interest, and capital gains. 
which is nearly a 25% tax increase. Yeah, I get it. This tax won't affect many people, so it's not a huge deal. Well, it's not a big deal now, but I assure you it will be because of inflation, just like taxes on Social Security. So what do you do to avoid all this? Take a guess. Distributions from the Roth are not counted in your adjusted gross income and thus will not ensnare you in the NIIT tax trap. Once again, yay for the Roth. Is there anything it can't do?